in the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Amen. Please sit. Speaking of waking from sleep, I woke this morning at 3.52 a.m. to a very clear little voice coming through the monitor saying, Mama! Mama! Unlike all good mothers, I jumped right out of bed and ran in there. No? No, that's not what I did. <laughs> I waited for her to go back to sleep like all smart moms. <laughs> Guess what? She didn't. So I got up and I, and I made her a bottle, something I rarely do anymore. We're sort of out of the bottle phase, at least for the next few weeks, until we do it all again. And I gave her a bottle and I put her back to bed, and I hoped she'd sleep more, and she didn't, even though I waited. And so then I went back in and just sat with her in the dark and rocked her. And she dozed for about a half an hour. Not long enough for me to sleep, but long enough for me to rethink the sermon that I was going to preach this morning. <laughs> and so I sat there in the dark with my magic girl and thought about all of the women and men for generations who have done the same thing, who have gotten up early to feed and rock little children. All, I thought too about all of the people who were doing that right now, you know, who are doing that in this season. And I thought about how all of these moments of our collective humanity is layered one on top of the other, generation after generation. How in these moments, we can almost call our cloud of witnesses into the room and say, look, look, look what I have done with your love, with the way that you passed forward light and life. It becomes an act, I think, not only of love, but of thanksgiving, which is fitting this week, of course, when we were mindful of our gifts and our blessings, and it reminds us, I hope, of our common human experience, of the things that make us the same. No matter when we lived or where we lived, we all have these same basic needs and these same simple rhythms of life. Whether we're parents or not, I think each of us can point to those moments, those routines, those rhythms, those seasons even in our lives when you sort of can feel that layering, that connection to the people who came before you and to the people who will come after you. There's repetition in it when our story overlaps with the story of other people. And there's love in it. Today we begin a new church year. The cycle of the church year isn't dependent on the secular calendar. Of course, we all know that that calendar begins at the end of the month, but the church calendar begins again today. And it begins with this very short season of Advent, these four Sundays, when ostensibly what we're doing is waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're waiting for Christmas. And we hear again in these four weeks, sort of the, the story leading up to Christmas. This story too has been passed down from generation to generation from one person to another, from one community to another, sometimes in very straight lines, in very obvious ways, 
and sometimes less so in ways that only God seems to be able to manage. It's a season of waiting. I think we hear that in our text. We've already been singing that in our music. And the apostle Paul's writing this morning in the epistle, he urges us to be awake. Now remember, for Paul and for much of the early church, they heard Jesus say, I am coming soon, and they thought he meant tomorrow. So Paul is urging people to be awake and to be careful because he really believes that by the end of his lifetime, Jesus is going to come back. We know, because we have the ability to look back, that that's not the case, that there are other ways to interpret what Jesus is saying. But Paul is no less convinced that we need to be awake, to be mindful of ourselves, to be mindful of our lives, to be careful about how we live and interact with other people, to stay awake. The gospel this morning has a, thim- a similar theme. Matthew quotes Jesus, saying that we don't know the day or the hour, that it will be a surprise when he comes back, this second advent of Jesus. But here, too, we are urged to be ready, to be paying attention. Even this sleeping metaphor continues to stay up all night long and make sure that no one breaks into your house to keep awake and, to a certain extent, to be on your guard. So Advent is not only just a time when we wait for Christmas, but it's a time also when we wait, when we look ahead to the second coming of Jesus. Hopefully not in a scary way. (laughs) There are plenty of other voices in the Christian world who will send you down scary roads about what that's going to look like. I don't think that's the case at all, and I'm happy to have that conversation offline. But I think we get a, a snapshot of that today. And it actually comes to us from Isaiah. Isaiah gives us perhaps the most important piece of the puzzle this morning. And it's a prophecy about the future. One that we can easily read now with our Christian eyes and sort of go back and find Jesus in it. And understand a little bit more about what God intends to do at the end of time. Isaiah says this, For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound scary to me. That sounds hopeful to me. A time of peace a time of calm, a life that is shared together in community that is no longer battered by violence and tumult, a time when we live together in love and right relationship and the abundance of God's presence and goodness. This is not the only prophecy that we'll see in this season. In fact, we'll see quite a few of them, but it's an important one. And it comes with a very specific invitation from Isaiah to walk in the light of the Lord, to come to the mountain of the Lord's house and to learn his ways and to walk in his paths. So there's three dimensions, really, to this season of Advent. There's the obvious waiting for Christmas. That's true, unimportant. Waiting and 
and sort of recalling and retelling the story of Jesus, of, of what was, of what happened in that one particular moment with that one particular family and how that story affects everyone else. And when we pass forward this story from generation to generation of how God loved the world so much that God came to live in it with us, to save us, to experience all that we experience and to show us the way so that we can learn from him how to walk in the light, so that we need not be afraid, so that we need not be lost or alone. Then there's the now piece, right? So we have what was, then we have what is, about what we're doing now. And Isaiah really calls us to that, I think. What are we doing? Are we learning from him? Are we walking in his paths? Are we doing all that we can do right now in this moment to be a part of the ways that his love is breaking into the world and trying to make it better? Who are we loving right now with our hearts and our hands? Who is calling out for us? Who needs our help and our patience and our sleepless nights? Are we finding our story in this great story? In our own lives, in the world around us, how are we a part of God's story right now? And then there is this extra sort of third piece the waiting for the second advent. And these two things, these last two things, they, they kind of really go together hand in hand. Because as we think about what Jesus will do in the future, of what will be, we can't really do that without first having thought about what is and what our role in it is. But the last part of this season is to look forward, to look ahead to what God will do. The promise of love that will make peace, and heal wounds and give life. The promise of a life that isn't constantly battered by the chaos and discord of this world, but is instead steady and joyful and whole. It's why ultimately, even though we talk about this season as a season of waiting in the church, and some people talk about it actually as a season of penitence, I actually think it's a season of hope. And I want it to be for us this year, especially a season of renewal and refreshment. When we think about putting down the things that weigh us down and taking a deep breath. When we think about finding the light together and how we pass it forward. I want for us to have this new season be an entrance into hope and love and kindness and reassurance. So we'll talk more about all of these themes in the coming weeks, but for today and for the week ahead, I hope that you'll think about those three dimensions, the story that was, the story that is, the story that will be. How these three things are present, not just in Jesus' story, but in yours. Think about all of the ways that this season, even though you might Think about it more broadly as the Christmas season or the holiday season. Think about all of the ways that this season brings up important stories and memories and traditions in you, particularly the stories of love and light that have made you, that have helped you 
come forward. And as you think about them and remember them and feel them in this time of year, I hope you'll connect them to the larger story of Jesus that defines all of us so that you can find your place in this story, in this layering of time, in the goodness that we share in the presence of God, in our common humanity, in the routines and the rhythms that we trace, in the season that connects you back and hopefully connects you now and will continue to connect you in the future. Remember as you do this that God loves you endlessly and waits with you, especially when you can't sleep, holds you as close as you'll agree to, has plans and hopes for you just like a loving parent would, and will always come when you call. And yet this is where the metaphor breaks down, because God loves you more than any of us can ask or imagine, more than any of us can feel or fathom. And if you carry that with you, then I hope there will be just one last image for you as you begin this season of Lent. Lent, listen to me. Advent. I really did get up at 3.52. Cut me a break. <laughs> I hope that as you carry that love with you and all those connections and all those stories, that there will be one last image that you can imagine yourself when your time has come, when your story is over, and it's time for you to tell it. I hope that that moment will be a joyful one, one where you can share that story of your life and your gifts with God and the people you love and see no longer. And I hope that what you will be able to say is look, look, look what I did with all you gave me. Look what I did with your love. This is the story of the season of Advent. Look what I did with your love. Amen.